So I'd like to not give the talk. I'd just like to ask our beautiful dancer to come out here and give us all lessons because I feel this could be a new ministry here at the church. It's wonderful uh, to be with you uh, today. Um, So there was uh, a man who uh, was at an airport and his plane was grounded due to bad weather. So he uh, sees this vending machine and it is selling uh, weather insurance, bad weather insurance for $25. And he thinks, what the heck? So he buys it. And then he goes into a Chinese restaurant and he's eating. And uh, when he uh, breaks the cookie open and he reads his fortune, it says, you will have a good return on a recent investment. Time to worry. Time to worry. Lots of things to worry about, Right. Do you know that each week we spend, according to statistics, 14.31 hours worrying. That equals 744 hours of worry each year, which turns into 45,243 hours over a lifetime. That equals 1,885 days in a lifetime spent doing nothing but worrying, which means that we spend at least 5.2 years with our life wasted in worry. One of the things that I found so powerful about the study in Daniel was this picture of a God who is in control. And Betsy Strader, who just went out, she did a phenomenal job the first night giving an overview giving an overview of the faithfulness of God that we see through the Old Testament. You know, sometimes we see these different stories and they don't, but you see that God is working throughout them all. And in Daniel especially, we just see how God is working out his purpose and his plan, even though it seems like the king is in control or troubles are in control. Always. Who is in control? God. Amen. And when we are in the midst of worry and struggle, what happens is we tend to be pretty myopic. We look at what I'm going through, whatever is, we're facing is just huge. And we're keeping our eyes on that and we're allowing it to rob us of our joy and our hope and our faith. And again, I thought Betsy did a phenomenal job that first night because... In our discussion in the evening group, we afterwards we were talking about it, and you know, again, sometimes we just you watch the news, and you know, there's another mass killing, there's another this, there's another that. But reading through Daniel and seeing God's people as exiles and seeing God's people as being faithful in the midst of ugliness and hardness, and seeing just the absolute incredible faithfulness of God, helped us take our eyes off of what seems so overwhelming and focus on an overwhelmingly huge God. Amen? Amen? So a couple passages in uh, Daniel, and I know um, uh, you have read this and studied these, but I'm just going to pick out a few. Uh, When we come to um, chapter 3, Starting with verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. That's a great picture. But I love this. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king, but even if he does not. Even if he does not, still they will not bow down to the king because they have one king. 
Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, God can rescue us like that. But if he does not, he's still God and he's still in control. And over to verse 328. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than to serve or worship any god except their own god. Wow. In the midst of worry and struggle, it's easy to allow the circumstances to become bigger than the God who is able to deliver. Amen? Amen? And I just, I just want to make sure you're awake. <laughs> Plus, I, I think I have a little bit of Baptist blood in me. Um, and I think it's so very important to point something out, in it, which you probably already know, but you know, as, as we study Daniel and we look at the life of, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, and, and boy, just in the midst of all their struggles, uh, how they trust in the Lord, the big message here isn't Daniel's faith. It, it's not. The, the big uh, point here is not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's faith. It's who they have faith in. You can have a lot of faith in very thin ice, and it's not going to hold you. The picture here is about a huge God who is able to come into some of the hardest things in our life that seem impossible to be delivered from. And even if he doesn't deliver us on this side, we will be delivered on the next. But the picture here is not so much of, wow, let's bow down to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in their faith or Daniel's faith. It's to bow down to the huge, compassionate, faithful, trustworthy God that they served. Amen? You can have a little tiny bit of faith in a huge God. Or you can have a lot of faith in something that can't save you. It's a daily choice. Over to uh, chapter 6, 10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. Um, And I like to look at the fact that Daniel's, oh, he's praying and he's, but it's going to the God who has the ability to help. And the writer here doesn't add a picture of, you know, he's um, shaking in his boots, he's having trouble sleeping at night. You know, I mean, he, he probably had some of this anxiety kind of stuff. But instead of allowing that to be his, his, his focus, he went to this almighty God who had the power to deliver. And over to chapter 10, um, verse, starting in verse 10. Daniel's saying this, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He's trembling. He said, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. Consider, um, Consider the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up. He was obedient, but he was still trembling. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. And then we know since the first day, He began to pray. God was already at work. God already had the answer. In the midst of the trembling, in the midst of the struggle, God is bigger. Amen? Amen? You know, there's so many powerful messages in Daniel. 
But overall, it's this picture that God is in control. God has a plan. God has not gone on on some cruise drinking a frou-frou drink and forgotten about us. God is in control. And whatever you are going through, as whatever Daniel was going through, there is an awesome God who is able to deliver. But even if he doesn't, he is still faithful. Would you bow in a word of prayer with me, please? Gracious and holy God, we thank you for these promises of Scripture and pray that all of our view of you would grow. God, it's not about us trying harder, just sweating more, but, but leaning into you, seeing the hugeness of your love for us and your power for us. And God, maybe there is somebody here today who has been praying that you would deliver them in some way. God, bless and encourage them. And even if you don't deliver in the way we would want, that we would still keep our eyes on a huge, faithful God. Faithful to Daniel, faithful to us. Amen. Well, so I want to talk a little bit just about worry, because I think worry is something that absolutely chokes us. Uh, Worry is something that can rob us of joy. And, you know, with Daniel, again, there were plenty of things to be worried about, uh, plenty of things in a worldly sense to be consumed by, to lose sleep over. But God was bigger. Rick Warren has pointed out that the command to fear not is in the Bible about 365 times, once for every day of the year. It's said in one way or another, because worry and anxiety and fear can take over our lives. Now, I I just want to say one aside. Some people do have anxiety disorders. And if if you're somebody who who really just struggles physically with that, just in, in your makeup... This is not to say you're sinning and, you know, because God has made us and, and I encourage you to get a counselor to, to do whatever it takes to, to help with that. But I don't want you to hear this in any way that if you have an anxiety disorder, you're sinning. Because certainly, you know, some people uh, do have that. Um, we live in a broken world and we all have something. Um, to worry is to give away give way to anxiety or unease, to allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or trouble. Literally, worry means to strangle or choke. It means to harass by tearing, biting, to strangle or seize the throat. Wow. So whatever you're facing is big. This is actually bigger because this worry and the choking and the strangling really... Usually, whatever that is doesn't even happen. But we have whatever hardship we have, and then in addition to be choked, the worry, the anxiety, the seizing of the throat and the heart. This is not how a loving God wants us to live. And and it is sin because we are commanded not to worry but to trust. Worry is sin for two reasons. First, because it displaces God in our life. What we're saying when we worry, even if we're not intentionally saying this, is whatever I'm facing is bigger than God. Whatever I'm facing, God cannot handle. It's saying that there is something bigger and more powerful than God. And again, I go back to that Our God has the power to deliver. But if he doesn't, 
he's still God. So that, that's just a, something we should, I think, say to ourselves because if he doesn't deliver, it doesn't matter. That big thing out there is not going to win. Jesus Christ overcame sin, Satan, and death, okay? There's nothing taking Jesus down. And if we keep our eyes on him, who's the author and perfecter of our faith, and we're living when we worry as though God does not exist, that he's not on the throne. The second reason that it is a sin uh, is because it distracts us from the things that really matter in this life. As long as we are worrying, we can't do anything else. We're struggled, we're strangled. And there are, of course, different levels of it. And I'll get to that in a minute. You might have heard this joke before, but it is one of my favorites. And I think it uh, is a good illustration with this. It says... A man falls over a high cliff and he grabs a branch on his way down. He's about 500 feet down and he has another 500 feet to go. And he yells out, is there anybody up there? The voice of God answered, I am up here. Trust me. Let go. In the silence for a while and the man yells, is there anyone else up there? Well, you know, there are a lot of things we can turn to, more and more today, but there's nothing that can truly deliver or help. So no, we either allow God to grab onto us, protect us, because he can deliver us from that fall. But if he does not, he is still faithful and he is still good. Jesus said, do not worry. Why? It doesn't add one minute to our life. Um... I want to talk just a little bit because I don't think it's enough to say just stop worrying. You know, just knock it off. Bad. Knock it off. Uh, Don't eat that chocolate. Don't worry. (laughs) Worry and anxiety and fears start in the mind. They start in our thoughts and they begin to take on a life of their own. Um, I want to turn to 2 Corinthians 10.45. And if you, excuse me, 10, 4 and 5. And if you are not familiar with this verse, this is one to have in your arsenal. Okay, uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. The weapons, the weapons, let's see. For, those we li- for though we live in the world, we do not wage wars the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Listen to this. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought. We cannot let one stray thought be taken into enemy territory. We must take it into submission under the truth, the truth of God's word, that if God is for me, who or what can be against me? Amen. So we cannot let one stray word get into the enemy's territory because it gets planted as a weed and we all know that weeds grow better than zinnias. Unless, you know, I, I love to garden, so I, I know that weeds tend to, unless the second that weed appears, it's pulled out. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be... So 
that this is a prom, this is a promise and a command that I encourage everybody to have in their arsenal. So, so when that first doubt comes in, that you know what, maybe God has forgotten about me. You know, maybe this lion is bigger than God. You know, maybe there's no way to be delivered out of this fire, and and, and maybe there's not. But see, what doubt says is that's because God's forgotten you. Our big God, when we put our eyes upon him, God can deliver us. But if he doesn't, it's because God in his sovereignty and his goodness has something much better for us. Amen? Amen? Okay, I have one slide I wanted to show you. I love this. The Bible is meant to be bread for daily use, not cake for special occasions. You know? You're going through a tough thing and you immediately, okay, where is that scripture? Where is that Bible? Oh my goodness. No, it, it's daily because it's, it's daily that we speak truth. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. You're, you're Bible study ladies. But it, you have to continuously, continuously because there are so many distractions. You know, I get challenged with, you know, my phone dings and I go to grab my phone when I wake up instead of the Bible. You know, it used to be I didn't really have a choice before there were phones like that. But we have all these distractions. Um, so we have recently gotten a new car. And, uh, I, you know, it's, I'm not really into cars. This is just a car that, you know, we needed at the time and, you know, it, it fit our needs. But um, it's got a lot more bells and whistles than I need or than I could ever understand, Okay. And uh, so about a week into having this car, all of a sudden, um, this yellow triangle lights up on the dashboard, and this annoying beeping goes off, and it says the door's open, and I'm, ah, there's no door open, okay? And, but it keeps going on, it keeps going on, so I have to go back to where we purchased the car. The whole time, this stinking noise is going off. I go back, and I, you know, I think that guy's like, Lady, did you know there's a manual in your glove compartment? Are you talking about that book? Is that what that is? So what it was is the way the car is is you have a button and, you know, the the back will come up on its own. Well, right next to that button is a button for the window. And the window, the window hatch will come up separately. But you don't see it. It doesn't come up very much. So all that it was was that I had accidentally touched that button and that little window was open now had I actually read the manual I I wouldn't have been annoyed I wouldn't have actually because I was worried like oh no did we get a lemon I mean you know a weekend to have in this car and it's just going crazy I you know I'm worrying and I'm ah and then that you know the time waster of going out there here's a blessing our son and daughter-in-law just recently got a similar car my daughter-in-law reads manuals. I am amazed at what our car will do. I still haven't read the manual. I just have, now I just say, uh, Nessa, uh, could you... You know, I guess that illustration just showed me how often, you know, we don't go to where the answer is. And even if the, the answer isn't clear, where the hope, where the confidence is... I mean, we leave that manual over here, and it's not even just because of the annoying sounds that go off, but also we miss the good stuff that happens. Yeah, the Word of God is not 
cake to be eaten once in a while, but it is our daily bread. So when worry comes into our mind, that's where we have to stop it. We have to stop it. Um, Seneca said this, easy to spot a yellow car when you are always thinking of a yellow car. Easy to spot opportunity when you are always thinking of opportunity. Easy to spot reason to spot reasons to be mad when you are always thinking of being mad. You become what you constantly think about. Watch yourself. So if we're in God's word, and I'm thinking, this mountain is is too big. This lion's den is too scary. This fiery firmness is overwhelming. We go back to God's word. My best friend, when I stepped down from our church, gave me two silver bracelets, and I try and wear them um, whenever I speak because it just is a reminder. And lo, I am with you always. And lo, I am with you always. Just I touch them, and I just remember that, you know. See, the, the doubt creeps in. We allow our mind to go there. And instead of stopping it, by going to God's word and saying, my God has the power to deliver me, but even if he doesn't, he's still God. And that's the kind of life, that's the kind of life that brings us joy and peace and is a testimony. Um, One of my best friends came today. She had to leave early, but that message by Kathy Hack, I mean, I just felt like after that we should just pray and go home because it's like, wow. You know, the testimonies. You know, how easy to just say, God must have forgotten me. Why why does God give somebody else really good health? I don't know. (laughs) You know, because he's God and he doesn't tell me everything. Trusting in the Lord. I may have shared this story before because I I do use it a lot. And if, if you've heard it before, I apologize. Um... I just, I remember when I um, first got an apartment, I, I, I couldn't believe they had, like, there were these like black things running around. It was the most disgusting thing in the entire world. They're called cockroaches. And, oh my goodness, I just, no, I know, no, the first time, now I just have to go back because the story's not quite right. I was staying with a friend and I went into her bathroom and I saw one of those roach motels and I'm like, what's a roach motel? Oh! Cockroaches scurry in the dark. Fear and doubt and anxiety and worry scurry and grow in the dark. And when our word is closed, except for, you know, when we read through the Christmas story once a year, it's going to be the cockroaches that control our life. But do you notice the minute you turn on the light with cockroaches, they, you know, they leave. And this is the word of God. And, and when we open the word of God, it's, it's not a magic genie. It's not like immediately um, we find the answer, but we find the one who does. I hadn't thought about sharing this, but it, I just remembered. Um, so 16 years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Out of the blue, no cancer in anybody in our family. And so I was really blown away. And uh, I had been reading through one year through the Bible. I'd never done that before. And so I got really, I was so boring. I, I'm like, oh, Lord, I just, I need to go to a psalm. You know, I need to go to a gospel hopeful. I'm just reading the Old Testament. 
And then I came to the King Hezekiah. This was like the day after I was diagnosed, and it was the reading of the day. And it was King Hezekiah who was supposed to die. But he prayed, and God gave him 15 more years. And I just thought, wow, I'm just thinking this is dry, and let me just get through this till I can get to some of that juicy, God loves me stuff over here. But in this particular passage, which God in his sovereignty knew exactly the day I would be needing it and the exact day that that would be in my reading, is that not a big God? Is that not a big God? See, he, and there's, it, it's not pointing to us to say, oh, yeah, I have a daily quiet time. Yeah, I have a, No, Can, it's not about that at all. It's saying, I struggle and I need the reassurance of the God who made me and knows me. Uh, Daniel went, hit his knees in prayer. He knew that God was the answer. God is always the answer. Um, well, I know there's like a children's story sometime where the answer was squirrel, but everybody kept answering God. <laughs> okay, there's sometimes, but... Um, in First uh, Peter 5, 7, it says... And, and this is actually a command. Cast our cares on the Lord. Cast is a word. It's like throwing it with vigor. It's not just like, you know, a tissue on the floor. It is throwing it away with vigor. It's, you know, putting whatever it is on the, um, what's that little thing on a uh, fishing pole? And then casting it so it's away from you. Cast it away. It's a picture of a hiker at the end of a long day and hooking his backpack and just tossing it down and leaving it. That is what we must do. Cast all our cares on him. That's actually a command. And then he gives us this great promise. Why? Because he loves us. Because he cares for us. Just a few other translations of it. Throw all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. Throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon him, for you are his personal concern. I love that one. Live carefree before God. He is most careful with you. Since God cares for you, let him carry all your burdens and worries. Cares, anxieties, burdens, worries. Casting them on a God. Not only who cares for you, because... You know, there could be somebody who cares for you and they have absolutely no power. But God does. There can be somebody who has a lot of power but doesn't care for you. But God does. It's both the power and the caring. He loves us and he has the ability to care for us. Here's something I would encourage you to do. Um, Is on a consistent basis, you know, use a... um, Posty note or an index card and whatever, you know, cockroach, whatever lie from Satan, whatever worry seems overwhelming, whatever lions just seems too tough or write that down and then just tear it up and cast it away. I mean, I, I just think the physical part of it or the, to really do it and then, you know, five minutes later when you're worrying about it again, put that right on there. Put that right on there. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you, it says in Psalm 55, 22. Psalm 56, 3, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. 
Psalm 37, 5, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. Do not be anxious about your life. What will you eat or what will you drink, nor about your body? What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Matthew 6, 25. I love Isaiah 45, 6 and 7. That people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there's no one besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. No Nebuchadnezzar is bigger than our Lord. Amen? I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all things. Release anxiety to this God who is able, who loves you. Who cares for you. And you, you probably also know. So I, I just think there's certain passages that should absolutely be in our arsenal. Because we will come under attack. You know, uh, the, the, you know in the middle of the night, when do you, you start thinking about it? Oh my goodness, I should have said that. Why didn't I say, you know, suddenly you're awake. Have the scripture so that you immediately, you know, that's what, what Jesus did in the desert when he was tempted. He didn't try and battle with Satan. He just threw the word at him. And Satan can't stand. Resist the devil and he will flee. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's what we can, we can count on. We can base our hope upon. Um, but Philippians 4, 6, and 7 is, you know, kind of prescription. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, so if you just walk through this, okay, this is what I'm anxious about. Yep, but, but in this situation, I need to pray about it. I, I, I bring the petition before God. I give thanks because he is in charge. I present that request to God. Then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that is bigger than sometimes the healing we're praying for. Because the peace of God is what we all long for. And he promises that if we will cast it on him, give it to him, we have that peace. But it is a battle. And it says in Corinthians, but we don't use the weapons of this world. We use the weapons, the spiritual weapons. And Betsy talked about that one week as well, about the spiritual weapons, the armor, you know, the word of God and in prayer, the righteousness that we are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. When, when Satan says to us, nobody loves you. If people knew what you were really like. You say, well, Jesus knows what I'm really like, and he died for me. So take that, Satan. You know, we speak truth into the lies. Who could ever love you? Look at that, those people. They, they are so much better looking than you. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I know that full well. That's what the scripture says. See, we speak the truth into the lie and Satan flees. But we, I, I just say we have to do it at that first moment. A couple things. Corey Ten Boom. Um, if you look at the world, you will be distressed. And I think that's where that first night when we came into Daniel and just, you know, having watched the news and reading, you know, different news things online. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh. If you look at the world, you will be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed because what can you do about it? But if you look at Christ, you will be at rest. And A.W. Tozer, I will do it for you, so why do you worry? 
I am Jehovah, I am God, I am your righteousness, your provider, healer, banner of victory, shepherd, your peace. I am your everything. So if God is all this to us, then there is no reason why anyone should worry. So lying in bed trying to figure it all out, and Jesus is saying, it is finished. He never says, I am finished. You are finished. It is finished. The power of darkness is finished. It still tries to war on. It is finished. So stop worrying, unclench your jaw, drop your shoulders, relax your brow, and breathe deep. He has everything worked out for your good and his glory. We are in his hands. Um, I want to encourage you again to write it down. Cast it away. However you want to do that, write it down and then scribble it. Put it on your iPad and then erase it, you know. Get rid of it. The moment, when, when you leave here and, you, oh, should I have really said that to that person? I'm so embarrassed. Get behind me, Satan. If I've said something wrong, then I just need to go to that person and apologize. Not sit here and worry all about it. Whatever it is, it's at that first moment we have to say, get behind me, Satan. If God be for me, who or what can be against me? Lord, I'm in a situation right now. I I come to you. I keep my eyes on you. So cast it away. Write it down. Tear it up. Cast it away. Put it on your computer. Delete it. Whatever it is. Even if it's 500 times a day. Whatever it takes. So I want to close with this. There's a sweet story about a little boy who says um, to his dad, He says, Daddy, how big is God? Dad's trying to think of a good way. And then he sees an airplane way, way, way up in the sky. And he says to his son, he goes, look all the way up there. How big is that plane? Little boy goes, ooh, it's tiny. And so the father takes him to the airport, and they um, come up next to the big planes, big jets. And he says to his son, son, how big is this plane? the closer we are to God, the more we lean into him, the bigger he is to us. I mean, he's big whether we lean into him or not. But too often, we see God as so far off and so small because all the other things are big. God closed the lion's mouth for Daniel. And God protected Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nothing we face is out of his control. Let's entrust it to him. Let's keep our eyes focused on him. It's okay if you only have a little bit of faith right this minute. We serve a great, big, awesome God. Amen. Would you bow with and pray with me, please? God, there are some here who have really big worries. And... God, we just want to pray your Holy Spirit right now to to fill and to guide and to remind. And Lord, we want to ask that you would take captive our thought life. God, that first, that we would be faithful in, in not putting garbage in. But God, that we would feed upon your word that we would linger over uh, the promises and the commands, that we would just take in the truth that we are loved, that we are precious in your sight, 
that, God, there is no lion's den. There is no fiery furnace. There is no grave that you cannot change. So, God, we just say, please, help us to see how big you are. Help us to see how huge you are. Help us to see how much you love us. Amen. Mm-hmm.